The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Well, we're on part two of this story, the story of the gospel, and the gospel is good news. It's great news. And we're unfolding this story as we go from week to week. It's not something that you can get in just one week. So uh, just trying it here or there, you're going to miss the whole thing. So I want to encourage you to, to come every week, at least for a period of time, give it a chance to really settle into your heart and get the full force of what the gospel is. It's interesting, you go talk to 10 Christians and get 10 different answers as to what the gospel is. And so we want to clarify and make it clear as possible and doing it in a way like a story and have it unfold all the elements of the story. And so we're talking about the characters of the story. Last week it was God. So you can go on our website, listen to the podcast, and catch up if you missed it, and all about who God is and what he's like. And today I want to talk about two evil monsters. I guess you could say these are the villains of our story. Uh, these are the bad guys. In one way, you could say God is the hero of the story. God is the center of the gospel message. It's about him. He's the hero. And these are the two evil monsters of the story. So you might guess the first one is pretty easy to guess. Who would be the evil guy in our story? The devil, right? That's pretty easy. And it's, it, most people have this concept of the devil that he's either this little red guy on your shoulder with horns, right? And he's whispering bad things in your ears. Or he's this really ugly, evil monster of a person. All kinds of misconceptions about the devil. And one of them is that there is this battle going on between the devil and the Lord. Like there's some cosmic war at place and God has his army and the devil has his army and they're just fighting it out and it's God against the devil and that couldn't be more far from the truth okay that's not what's happening to to say that God is at war with the devil or the devil's at war with God would be to misunderstand who God is and to not understand what he's like To say the devil is at war with God would be like saying that an ant is at war with a nuclear arsenal. You see, the devil's a created being. He's a created creature. God made him. And the created is never more superior than the creator. Never. And God isn't uh, worried about the devil or concerned or, or afraid when he comes. Oh no, the devil's... Taken ground, what should we do? The Lord could snuff him out, done, finished with him at any point, any second. There's no comparison between the devil and the Lord as far as strength or power. He is what we would call a fallen angel. He was created by God, and God created him the most powerful angel that he had. So all the angels, the devil was number one. He was the most powerful, most beautiful, created creature in the universe. He still is. 
And so uh, Ezekiel had up in the Old Testament, he gave a prophecy over the king of Tyre. And, and, and most scholars believe that that prophecy was also applied to the devil. And so I want to read this to you and kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about. He said this, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone adorned you. And then it lists all these stones. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before the kings. Satan, or the devil, was defeated by sin. It was this powerful, powerful, beautiful angel that God had created, and he thought to himself, I can become God too. I'll have my own throne, I'll be greater than God. And he fell into that sin, sin of sin of sin of pride, and it it become evil all through and through. And so God removed him from his high position permanently. And there were one-third of God's angels that were under the devil's control. He was in charge of those angels. All of them were cast out of heaven as well with the devil. And they, they all changed in that moment. They changed from God's holy angels to evil demons, demonic power. He became the ruler of this world and in this whole process was judged by God. At the proper time, the Bible tells us that the devil and all of his demons will be cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity and it will complete the judgment of God upon him. And I think there are two main mistakes that we make concerning the devil. The first one is that we underestimate his involvement in our lives. We underestimate his control and what he's involved in, what he's got his hands on in the world. Maybe it's an attitude of, oh, it's no big deal. Uh, sure, there's evil in the world, but I'm fine. I'm safe. Uh, it's not affecting me. Uh, go through your whole day, every month, every year. Never thinking that there is an enemy out there that is after you. And yet Jesus warned us and he said, the devil is all about stealing, stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what he's about. That's what he wants to do to you is steal from you, kill you, or destroy you. Peter warned us and said, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Because he is uh, 
created the most powerful being to ever be created by God. Michael the archangel. Michael and Gabriel are both angels that serve God. And, and Michael had an encounter with the devil. And rather than confront the devil on his own, uh, he deferred to the Lord. So even the Michael, the great archangel, said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. So you have to say, I'm not going to take you on myself. I'm going to defer to God and to his authority over you and rebuke you through the Lord's power. Our authority on the earth that we have over demons and the devil is only through Jesus. That's the only authority we have over him. If you were to confront the devil or go after the devil or speak to the devil on your own strength and your own power, you would be defeated instantly. The only authority that the Bible gives us over the devil is through Jesus. That's it. We can only overcome him through Jesus, his name, his word, his power. And that's because... Jesus defeated him. Jesus overcame him. And so we overcome through Jesus. The second mistake that people make concerning the devil is to overestimate his involvement. It's like seeing a devil under every bush or everything is the devil's work and he's doing all of that. Or maybe a curiosity or a fascination with the devil. And some mistakes that Christians make, mostly charismatics, is they'll talk to the devil in their prayers. And it's subtle, but it goes something like, Lord, I pray to you, and that you'd help us do this, help us. And then mid-sentence, switch over and start, now devil, you this and you that and you that, and begin speaking to him. The Bible teaches that our only response to the devil is to resist. Resist him and flee from him. It's not to engage, not to have a conversation with, not to to try and uh, go to war with him or battle with him, we are to resist him, resist him in every way. And we can have authority and power over him and rebuke him in Jesus, and that is it. Only in Jesus. And God gives us that authority as Christians to call upon the name of Jesus, to protect ourselves, and to have authority over him. We should not fear him, that we should not either underestimate or overestimate his involvement. The second evil monster is sin. And some people uh, don't like to talk about sin. It's a difficult subject for them because they've had bad experiences with other Christians or in church where they've been judged. Uh, judged harshly and looked down upon or or treated like you were a leper or something because you are just so sinful. And so it can become painful or difficult to talk about sin. But the Bible never portrays sin in that way. Let's look at how it does. It's in Genesis 4 where we begin. The story of Cain and Abel. No, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil of an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. 
But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to you to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord said to him, Not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so no one who found him would kill him. And Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. First thing that we have to understand about sin, the most important thing, is that we always underestimate the power of sin in our own life, and we underestimate our own sin. We always see our sin as smaller than it actually is. But sin is a ruthless predator, never stopping always stalking, always waiting, always close by, crouching down. You see, uh, sin. God said that the sin was, was hidden. It was crouching down to grab Cain. Uh, the word there of crouching in Hebrew is specifically pertaining to cats or lions or, howl, or tigers, predators, who crouch down really low so they're hidden. They can't be seen easily. And they move very slowly and quietly when they're on the prowl. And so our sin has a hiddenness about it. It hides from us. And it usually hides completely from us until we are then close enough We're hooked. It gets us. Sin always looks smaller than it actually is. I'm reminded of Job's words. He said that um, lust is such a terrible evil that it gets a hold of people's hearts and causes them to lose Everything. 
usually starts with just a little fascination and interest in a person that you have no business being interested in. And so it's little. It's tiny. It's no big deal. It's just a conversation. But what they don't realize is that it's actually massive and that all of it is hidden. All you see is just a little bit. And then when it bites you, you lose that marriage, you lose the house, you lose the kids, you maybe lose your health, maybe 10 years of your life. The cost is enormous. With Cain, it started as just a simple grudge between he and his brother. I mean, how, uh, how ordinary is that? And that happens all the time among brothers. Let me tell you, I know. Okay? Every day. Simple little grudge that was in his heart. And the Lord said, Cain, Cain, pay attention. It's there. It's crouching. It's, it's hiding from you. It's worse than you think. Looking at this uh, uh, story, it's a little bit puzzling. Why is God picking on Cain? I mean, uh, what's the big deal? Abel brought his offering. Cain brought his offering. Why was he rejected? Well, it wasn't a sin offering. A sin offering, you know, you come to God and you bring your offering and he forgives you and you bring what you can. What's the way it worked? It was according to what you had. So if you were wealthy, you brought this. If you were poor, you brought this. But it was according to what you had. This was not a sin offering. This was a dedication offering. It was very different. It was, this is what you bring to God to show him your devotion to him, your love for him. It was very similar to uh, giving a woman a ring on your wedding day. Here, this is a symbol of my affection, my love, and my devotion to you. So you, so you give a diamond, very precious, very valuable. And so Abel brought something that was very valuable. It was the best he had. And he gave it to God, as if to say to God, I, I'm fully devoted to you. Cain brought what was left over. And he brought the ordinary. He brought the average. His attitude toward God was, okay, God, you're God, but I want to decide for myself what is right and wrong. I want to be in charge. I'm going to decide for me. So he brought the ordinary. It was ordinary, half-hearted, religious attitude. I guess you could say it was carnal. It was a lukewarm Christian. But we underestimate sin's power. We rationalize it. We intellectualize it. Or say things like, well, I'm not a murderer. I mean, I'm not a terrorist. I'm not going around cutting people's heads off. You know, that ordinary people don't do that. That's the, that's the, that's the evil people. There's a few bad apples out there. Ordinary people don't act that way. And I remember in the 90s, Jeffrey Dahmer was captured and was sort of by accident that they found him and discovered all that he had been into. And it turns out he's a serial killer. He's killed all these people and he'd been at it for years. He'd lure young men into his house with a promise of sex. And then he'd kill them and then eat them. 
It is the most grotesque, disgusting display of evil imaginable. It's very hard to get your mind around that. And there's the footage of the police going into his home and bringing about these big barrels of flesh and just disgusting. And so then here he is. He's, in, he's, he's on trial and he's sitting there and the camera's just focused in on him. And you, you look at him and you go, this looks so ordinary. I was waiting for the camera to zoom in on his eyes because I was hoping that, you know, you'd see like either, you know, cat eyes or, or fire or something that would indicate the evil that was in that man's heart. And, and yet he just looked incredibly ordinary. Jesus taught that our sins always look smaller than they actually are. You have heard that it was said, Jesus said this, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now that sounds a bit extreme, doesn't it? Your eye caused you to sin, and so his recommendation is that you gouge it out and throw it away. You wouldn't say that if it was no big deal. Right? If it was just some little thing, it's okay. But it's much, much bigger than we realize. Every grudge wants to become murder. Every lust wants to become adultery. The second thing about this is that It's so incredibly powerful. Sin is so powerful there that when you're done with sin, it's not done with you. It stays. It lingers. It wants to come back around again. It doesn't doesn't leave you. It sticks around. In fact, some sins stick around generationally. From one generation to the next. It's amazing. You look at the Kennedys. As a family. And you can see with that family, and and only because, I'm not picking on them, it's only because, you know, they're a prominent family in America. So you you know a lot about them, and you see from generation to generation to generation the same things happening over and over again. It sticks with you. Uh, Sin has a way of getting you later. You just cannot lie once. One lie isn't enough. If you lie, you have to lie again. And sometimes we lie, and it works so perfectly well. I mean, maybe you were, there was a threat, or you were going to be found out, or so you lie, and it covers it so perfectly. And so then you, you keep repeating that story over and over. You keep telling it again and again for years, and eventually you can no longer tell between a lie or the truth. You become angry with someone. And when you become angry with them, you, you either forgive or you keep manufacturing more and more anger to keep that first anger going. You have to justify it somehow. And so you keep adding more and more and more to the point where eventually, 10 years now, you hate that person. 
And of course, nobody would ever admit it. Oh, no, you would never admit that you hate somebody. But it's astounding to me when working with people to find out that how in prayer often a person was, was praying or talking about somebody that they were really angry towards, and then that word hate pops right out. And they just sit there kind of stunned and like, I can't believe I just said that. But that murderous rage is inside there. You see, sin is an addiction. All sin is an addiction. Not all addictions are sin. But all sin is an addiction. It wants more. It has to have more. So it always wants to take you deeper. And you've got to do more to get that same feeling you did the first time. Sin is very powerful. I don't want to leave you this morning with such a heavy dose of these two evil monsters. Okay? I want to send you out here with some hope. So let's look at that. The hope of this. God makes this very gentle appeal to Cain, doesn't he? It doesn't say, Cain, you're such a loser. Yeah. He doesn't pour out his wrath on Cain. He says to him very kindly and very gently, Hey, why are you angry? Think about it, son. Think about it. Why are you angry? You really need to take a look at that. Look into your heart, figure that out, because sin is crouching right here and it wants to have you. And you can overcome that. Well, I wonder what would have happened if Cain had repented at that moment. If he he wasn't underestimating that power of sin in his own heart, but really took it serious and said, you're right, God, there is this, this sin in my heart. Please forgive me. How that would have changed the story. But what if you and I repent? What if we came to a place where we realized that our big problem in this world is not not your mother-in-law, it's not your boss, it's sin. That's my big problem. What if we would repent? Well, if we came to God with that, he would take us to a pool of blood on the ground, only it would not be Abel's blood. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews 12 says. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, God would also take us to a pool of blood on the ground, but it would be Jesus' blood shed for us. Jesus is our Redeemer our mediator. He's the one who goes on our behalf to the Father and says, God, don't judge this person. Don't pour out your wrath upon them because you've already done that in me. And so they should be free to go. They should be forgiven. If you don't, let's say that's not your response. Some people say, I'm not ready to do that. I, 
I want to stay in this a little longer. Then everything you've ever done wrong, everything, cries out to God from the ground. Everything. And it speaks against you to God. I hope that you will be sober-minded and humble this morning to say, God, I don't want to mess with this. I want to surrender to you and ask you to forgive me. As a just simple, genuine prayer. I need you, God. I know it. And I ask you to forgive me. 